0: We continue getting instruction and and details concerning uh, these various sacrifices that the Israelites were being called uh, to bring to the Lord, uh, these various offerings. Remember the first being the burnt offering, uh, the picture of of saying, Lord, I want to be fully committed to you. And we know Jesus, again, fully committed to the will of the Father. The next one we looked at was the meal offering or the grain offering. And this is where they would take uh, fine, or they would take wheat and they would sift it, they would beat it 13 times, it'd be presented as a fine flour, and it was an offering of, of thanksgiving, uh, thanking, for, thanking God for the blessings that Israel had in covenant with the Lord. And again, we see Jesus, who was sifted for us, who was beat for us, the fulfillment of that. Then we saw the peace offering, which again was an offering again, of thanksgiving, thanking God for the peace Israel had with the Lord through the covenant they had, and it was as well a, a picture of an exchange of laying a burden down and walking in the peace of, of God, and again, Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace, and uh, we tonight have peace with the Father through the work of the cross uh, when we come to Him, and that's that's a glorious and a good thing to be in covenant with Him. And then we saw the sin offering, and the sin offering was a required offering. The other should have overflowed from the hearts of the people. The sin offering was required, though. And it was an offering brought for the sin nature of an individual. And praise God, we just talked about that in communion. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. He who knew no sin became sin for us. And then the next being the trespass offering, which was for specific sin. The sin offering for the sin nature, the trespass offering for the, the, the product of the sin nature, and again, it was a required uh, offering, a required sacrifice for them to be in right standing with God, and again, both of those things fulfilled in Jesus Christ, and uh, it's been a glorious thing looking at these things, again, the last few weeks, we've seen more details, the Lord had a lot of specifics uh, for them, this wasn't a small matter, I mean, this is why you, you see so much detail about these sacrifices and offerings in Exodus, and Leviticus and throughout the law and it's highlighted several times there in the Old Testament this wasn't a minor thing and uh, I know when you read through Leviticus uh, some of these Old Testament books things can seem kind of redundant and so forth and it's easy to kind of start hurtling your way through and so forth but all these things that we're looking at again it was pointing them to the Lord Jesus Christ that's how much God loved them he was giving them signs everywhere they turned. So when the Messiah came, they would know what they were looking for. And when he began to do the things that he did, even in offering up his life, uh, the the light would come on. And unfortunately for many of them, that light didn't come on. Uh, For even his disciples, they really didn't get it until after his resurrection. You know, how many times did he even say, we're going to go up to Jerusalem and I'm going to be betrayed. And I'm going to be, you know, put in the hands of sinners and crucified. But on the third day, I'll resurrect. And they're like, no, Lord, you're not going to do that. And they start rebuking Jesus. Well, they should have said, yeah, this is what it's all about, right? Yeah, okay, we get it. You're the fulfillment of these things. And it was after the fact that their eyes were open and they began to see and understand. And you know what? Again, that had to do with this first coming. We know that he's coming again. And so we want our eyes open to that. And all these things are even a reminder to us as as we're looking towards his second coming, that the scripture speaks of these things throughout. So we want to say, Lord, open our eyes to your second coming and let us rejoice in your first coming. And so again, all these details and all these things was was to show them the importance of these matters, uh, of the fact their sins needed to be atoned for, of the fact they were a sinful people, of the fact the wages of sinners' death. And, you know, just think about bringing up your offering there to Jerusalem, a, a sin offering, a trespass offering, and uh, we know that, that these people weren't heartless. They would even uh, gain attachments to to even their livestock and whatnot. Remember how King David was really attached to to his flock, to sheep, and uh, Nathan the prophet used the illustration of a man being attached to his lamb and a rich man taking that lamb to 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 show David his sin. Remember how David was full of fury, how dare someone steal their pet lamb from them, you know. Uh, David, uh, when he was a shepherd boy, had relationships, you know, friendship with these beasts. When you're a kid out there or a teenager and you're, you're you know, called the creepy little brother or whatnot, you kind of, you know, you build friendship with, you know, the, the, the sheep. Those are your buddies and whatnot. And they would gain an attachment. Remember, even at Passover, they would take that lamb in. For a certain matter of days, and they would see this is a living thing, and uh, they would have a compassion for it, a, a heart for it, and so forth. Uh, you know, we can relate to that. Uh, my, my, I've shared a few times. My kids had a couple of guinea pigs. One of them passed away. They had the other one, and then they got two more recently. I call them. They were rescue pigs because these things were kind of ignored and whatnot, and kind of rough and like, like just little gangsters and whatnot and then we start feeding them and their hair start growing back and whatnot and they start figuring out where we come with food and now instead of hiding they get up and they start squealing like little dogs and whatnot and and you you gain an attachment for them you know you and and think about these offerings they would bring even if it were just on the way to Jerusalem and they were they were taking care of the, these beasts and so forth these weren't a heartless people with with these animals and so forth i mean they were instructed in the scriptures in proverbs it says a man uh, that is cruel to his animals is wicked. And yet they would take these beasts in and they would lay their hands and it would be, it would be slain right in front of them. And they would see the gravity of their sin. And we got to understand that as well. The gravity of our sin. The judgment upon our sin. And then all the more rejoice in Jesus Christ who laid down his life for us. I'm, I'm really glad that, you know what, we don't have to daily bring those sacrifices here and whatnot. You know, going over to patrol the road with my sheep to, to lay it down or whatnot. I mean, just thank you, Jesus, for even the practicality and, and the freedom we have in you and so forth. So tonight, Leviticus 8, we, we just continue to see details of this. We begin now to see even the the implementing of these things. There's been a lot of talk about it and so forth, a lot of instruction. There was uh, an exodus. Remember all the instruction in regards to the tabernacle, the holy place, the holy of holies. All the various garments and so forth that the priests would wear. Then the people brought all their offerings so forth and so forth. And all that was constructed. And then we come here again to Leviticus. And now the instructions being given for all the different offerings. And now tonight, all these different details, we start to see it being implemented. And God calling Aaron and his sons and putting all the gear on them and so forth that they were going to wear and giving instruction to the people. So we'll just take a section at a time, make our way through this. And there's a lot of application for us In 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 this new covenant setting, and uh, a a lot of calls that were upon them that are called calls upon us as well. So let's start here by reading the first five verses. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, "Take Aaron and his sons with him, and the garments, the anointing oil, a bull as the sin offering, two rams, and a basket of unleavened bread, and gather all the congregation together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting." So Moses did. As the Lord commanded him, and all the congregation was gathered together at the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and Moses said to the congregation, "This is what the Lord commanded to be done." Now, notice here right off the bat. Uh, again, Moses is getting instruction from the Lord. Uh, he's not making this stuff as he goes, and and praise God for His Word. We'd be in a lot of trouble if we made it up as we go, right? Have you ever made it up as you go, gone? Have you ever gotten to that mode? At some point, uh, it it implodes. But he's being led by the Lord's step at a time. And, and, you know, it's just a glorious thing, again, as we just kind of recap how these things were just implemented. One thing after another, after another. The Lord didn't overwhelm them with all this, you know, right from the beginning, but one thing after another, after another. And the Lord wants the same thing for you. And your walk with him. I mean, you get saved and someone throws the Bible at you, but it's kind of intimidating, isn't it? I mean, all these books, you say there's, someone says there's an Old Testament and a New Testament. And, uh, you know, you don't know one from the other and so forth. And, you know, these are epistles and these are gospels and this is prophecy and, and all these various things. And yet, you know, God in your life just wants to implement one thing after another. The book of Isaiah talks about growing in the Lord, line upon line, precept upon precept. And so I've encouraged you tonight, maybe you're overwhelmed, uh, you know, with with the word of God. You're overwhelmed with all these various things. Listen, God's commands aren't meant to be burdensome. Uh, God wants you to walk with him with a joy. Uh, You know, God's going to hold you accountable for where you are and, you know, what you know, not for what you don't know. He wants you to grow in that knowledge. He wants you to abound in him. But tonight, listen, just take a deep breath and rejoice in the Lord, okay? because we're we're in christ tonight born again and saved and washed and that is a that's a glorious place to be that's where you you do want to know where you're at right yeah. that, that you know that you know he's your lord and savior and your god and your king and praise god he's never going to leave you nor forsake you and so he's saying son daughter let's take another step forward let's move forward in him again a little at a time uh notice as well again uh Uh, Right here in chapter 2, all these various things get Aaron and his sons and these garments, anointing oil, the bull for a sin offering, two rams, a basket of unleavened bread. And again, we've talked a lot about this. We'll talk more about it. But just notice here, in in serving the Lord and doing all this, it took an effort. This stuff didn't just show up. Again, Moses got the instruction. Uh, The people brought the offerings. They made the garments. Uh, People brought offerings for the anointing oil. Uh, These bulls had to be bread and raised remember this was from their flock they weren't to bring bring wild beasts and so forth because it was to be a sacrifice it was to be out of their livelihood the unleavened bread a basket had to be made for that and so forth and it took effort it took action it took communication there was a lot of administration and all these things and so forth and we got to know and understand as well yes the lord's not going to overwhelm us it's a step at a time but god has called us to take action God has called us to be uh, types of administrators in the ministry and in our own lives and, and so forth. And we need to acknowledge that and recognize that. That, again, we are saved by grace through faith, but we are saved under good works. So the Lord's called us to work. Uh, again, verse 3, he says, to gather all the congregation at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And uh, he, he, he tells Moses, get the people here and tell them this is what the Lord commanded to be done so first of all again Moses has received this Uh, there's been some instruction given to the people in regards to the tabernacle and so forth Uh, the 10 commandments and so forth we read about there in Exodus and I would think at this point the priests have probably and the elders have have been instructed in these matters and now it's a matter of bringing all the congregation in and the Lord wanted Moses to take what God had shared with him and to deliver it to the people. These things that Moses, you know what, received and studied, uh, he had to have a grasp on these things. Uh, as he was being given the word, no doubt the, the Lord was giving it to Moses in a manner that he could understand and so forth. God's word isn't perverse or, you know what, a book of riddles. It's it's not written in a manner that, uh, you know it is is uh, complex though it is the depths of it go beyond you know at the depths of, of our full comprehension but it was given to him so that he could take and share it with others and there's an application for us here in that in our call to walk with the Lord absolutely he's called us to be a people of the word and we know he's given us talents and gifts and so forth and we got to know and understand that God has called us to share those things with others. Uh, not just to take those things and to store them up in our own soul. Not just to take the gifts and talents He's given to us and the provisions and, and to heap it up. And we'll talk about this in a little bit really when, when we begin to do that. We're taking God's grace and mercy and, and to a degree where we're heaping a judgment upon ourselves. Because God's called us to distribute these things. Matthew ten seven it says... And Jesus was speaking here to his disciples as he sent them out. He says, as you go preaching, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And they begin in that instruction from the Lord. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. As he was talking about what we just talked about. Him going to to die on the cross and be resurrected. And he was speaking to them of their second coming. He was speaking to them of, of the receiving of the Holy Spirit. How, you know, it is for your good that I go away. That the comforter, the helper would come. The kingdom of God will be birthed in our hearts uh, uh, through relationship, through the fulfillment of all these Old Testament things. He says, you've been taught that. Now you need to go out and share it with others. And then he says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out the demons. Freely you have received, freely give. So in other words, take what you are freely receiving from the word of God, from the commands of God, from the word of truth, and go share that with others. You freely received it, so freely go out and give it. And then he tells them to go out and minister. Go do these things. Put your hands on the people and so forth. And we see a double-sided, you know, a sword, so to speak here, of sharing the word of God, but then acting on the word of God. And he's called us to do the exact same thing. And I ask you tonight, where, where are you doing that? Are you praying for those opportunities? Are you about the business of the Lord? And then again here, the, the whole congregation gathered together. And we've talked about this many times that, our gathering together here on a on a sunday night or a, on a i don't know if anyone's gathering on a sunday night i guess the college group next door but on a sunday morning on wednesday night and and even in various small groups and so forth but on sunday morning especially and wednesday night we we gather together for several purposes and reasons i mean we gather together we worship the lord together uh, there there's time of prayer together there's fellowship There's exercising of of different gifts in that fellowship and so forth. But one of the main reasons we gather together here is the reason they were gathered together to get instruction from the Word of God, to get equipped for the work of ministry that God's called us to take out to this community around us that we're in here. Ephesians four eleven says, and He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ. And it just goes on to speak about, you know, what this truth being brought forth as we gather together so that we're no longer tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But he says, Instead, we come together and we speak truth in love. And one of the calls I have on my life, or anyone that fulfills this pulp fills this pulpit up here is to, again, get into God's word, to study God's word, to show ourselves to prove, and then come bring God's word to you that you get more equipped to go out there because I'm not going to work with you tomorrow. And I'm not gonna, I might be in your neighborhood, but I'll probably just be driving through tomorrow if I am. I, I might stop. I don't know. Maybe someone of you get a knock on the door and oh, the pastor's here or whatnot. What would we do? That's what people think. Uh, but to equip you to go out there. And and Moses was calling them in to equip them with the commands of God so they would walk in these things, right? So they they would understand what the priests are doing, to give them some more instruction, and then to take these things that, that had already been taught to tell the people about these various sacrifices and offerings so that they would walk in it as well, so that they would go out and they would do these things. And notice that as well here in these first five verses, it says, In verse 4, Moses did as the Lord commanded him, and then he gathers the people together. He says, this is what the Lord commands, commanded. So he says, this is God's word, and then notice he tacks on, to be done. And we got to know this and understand this as well, and we talk about it often. Yes, we gather together for the equipping of the saints. We open God's word. It's equipping us with our walks with him. It's equipping us to, you know, Sunday we talked about rejoice in the Lord always, and we talked about how to do that. We we, we were more. We got equipped in how to rejoice always in the Lord. As we're rejoicing in who we are in Him and who He is and His promises. And, and again, if you just want to rejoice in stuff, it's going to be a short-lived party. But if you want to rejoice in the Lord, it's an eternal thing. It's steadfast. It is always solid. Uh, his promises are yes and amen. But if, if we just heard about rejoicing in the Lord, but if we didn't go out and do it, Why not be a tragic thing? I I hope if you were here Sunday, you've been rejoicing in the Lord since that message. Uh, What a tragic thing to hear that truth. Uh, Especially as we address even uh, there being so much depression in our culture and so forth. and so many people in those bondages. And we opened God's word and we saw how to get liberated from so much of that. How to walk in a victory. How to walk with joy in our heart. It's what we're rejoicing in. So many people, they they have no joy because they don't rejoice in the Lord. They just look at their own situation. And if we look at any of our own situations long enough, joy is going to start going out the door. If we're looking at it outside of, again, who we are in Christ. Now, if we look at our situation in Christ, we can rejoice because I'm a sinner deserving of hell. And I got breath in my lungs right now. I got clothing on my back. I I ate uh, beef stroganoff tonight and in, in uh you know the patio and whatnot uh, so so did i say that wrong everyone's like whispering like oh chicken well mine was beef i had the beef uh so that might have been it was chicken but it was actually how did, it should have been he got beef we go and rejoice in the lord though we want to practice that I mean, don't we agree to, to, to hear instruction to get equipped of how to walk with joy and then not going out and doing it? How tragic. And so he's, he's giving them instruction. Moses is acting on the instruction from God, setting an example for them, and then they're told to go out and, and to do likewise. And we don't want to be a people who just gather together uh, and, and open God's word and study it, but don't go out and do it. And, and tragically, uh, that can become the pattern and the case in a church really, really, really easily. And I say this all the time. I think it especially can happen in Bible teaching churches where everyone's just talking about the Bible and studying the Bible, which, again, it starts there, glorious. We're not throwing any shade on that whatsoever. We are called to do that. But people can begin to think. And, and again, studying the Bible is one thing God's called us to do. But from there, he's called us to act on what we're studying. And I think some people get to the place where they study the Bible and they just think, okay, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And, and it is, but then we're supposed to act on it. And, and he's, he's telling them, this is what the Lord commanded. And then he says, for you, for, for, for you to go out and do. Think about James 1.22. I just want to read a couple of passages here. And again, we've talked about this before as I studied this this week, though. This, this, was, this really popped out to me, some of these words here. But James 1.22, but be doers of the word, not hearers, only deceiving yourself. And we're deceiving ourselves if we're just hearers, but we're not doers. And again, I think people can deceive themselves because they say, well, I'm, God's called me to study the word, so I'm doing that. So I'm okay. And, and that's good that you are, but he says you're deceiving yourself if that's all you're doing. You need to actually go do the things that you are, you're, you're hearing. He goes on to say, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man observing his natural face in the mirror, for he looks and observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. And then notice 25, but he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. And then notice what it says next, this one will be blessed in what he does. Isn't that awesome? So when we hear, when we act, the Lord says, then I'm going to bless you in what you're doing. You want to be blessed tonight? I want to, I, I'm pro-blessing. I don't ever want to be one of those people of, well, you know, the blessings of God are, are only for those heretics. You know what I know. I'm pro-blessing. There's, there's some, again, people get weird thoughts. The, 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 you know what? The Lord wants to bless us. So he says, hear the word, act on it, and then you're going to be blessed as you act upon the word of truth. Listen to what Jesus said here in Luke 6, 46, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things which I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my saying and does them, I'll show you who he's like. And he goes along and talks about the man that builds his house on the sand, and the storm comes and it falls, versus the man who builds his house on the rock. The storms comes, the storm comes and it, it weathers the storm. And he says the person, he doesn't say the person who hears, he says the person who hears and he does is like the man who built his house on the rock. And then in Matthew seven twenty one, Jesus said again, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you practice lawlessness. Now, is this Jesus saying you're saved by grace uh, plus works? Absolutely not or you know faith plus works absolutely not what he's saying here is that people that have faith in me they go out and they do there's a real fruit there they don't just hear they go out and they do not that we say well I got to start doing that I'm proved I'm saved but it's a picture of saying I want to act on the faith that God's given to me that has saved me now I want to go out and I want to begin to walk in that faith and again there's blessing found in that There's life found in that. You're not going to lose anything in that. You're going to gain life in doing that. But listen, if if we just contemplate on the word and consider the word and we don't act on it in a way, we're deeming the word null and void in our life. I mean, if if we're not going to go and act on it. If If you go and you purchase something but you don't use the thing, you might as well not have purchased it in the first place, right? Now it's just taking up space in your shed or whatever else. God wants us to act upon it, and the more that we learn without acting on it, and and this is kind of a frightening thought, we even heap a judgment upon ourselves, and it's kind of a frightening thing to be in a place where you're learning, and you're learned, and you're well-fed, and the Word's being rightly divided, and you're not acting upon it because there's a responsibility comes with with knowing God's Word. Now, this isn't a call to say, boy, I got to go get to a place where God's Word's not being taught, because... You know you're supposed to be in such a place we know that we have a call for that so that that's not an out but jesus again said in luke 12:47, and the servant who knew his master's will and how do we know our master's will through the word of god and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes but he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few for whoever to whom much is given from him, much will be required. To whom much uh, has been committed of him, they will ask the more. And a lot of times we just, we just take that scripture on, well, they got a lot of money, so uh, you know, more has been committed to them, so more is going to be asked of them. And, and there's an element of truth to that, but he talks about he who knows the master's will. So he's putting more of an emphasis on, as you know God's word... You have a call to go out and to act on it. And when we don't act on that, there, there's, there's a responsibility. There, there's, there's a judgment. He's going to say, what, what did you do with that? And so, again, they were brought together, the commands, and he says, for these things to be done. Now, tonight, if you're in the place where, you know maybe you haven't been acting on the Word. And, and you know the Word. You, you know of the Word. You're going in the Word. But you're like, I'm not doing uh, what I would encourage you to do is 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 to do business with the Lord in that, and to repent in that, and begin to act, and begin to take steps of faith, begin to take risks, so to speak, in Jesus' name. Every time you step and you think I'm not going to hit, I guarantee you'll find a landing spot in the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Remember we talked about Paul on Sunday, and he says, "I don't count my life. Uh, you know what? I, I don't I don't count my life dear to me." so that I could finish the race set before me with joy. In other words, I'm, I'm going to live for the Lord. I'm going to go out and I'm going to act. And though some people say, man, you're crazy for doing that, Paul. You, you, should, you should not act on that. That's a risky thing. And he says, no, I, I'm not going to count my life, to myself. I'm going to go and I'm going to act. I'm going to go and I'm going to do. And then from there, he talks about there's a, there's a crown of righteousness laid up for me. And so as Paul laid down his life... He gained life. Now, notice 6 through 9. It says, then Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. And he put the tunic on him, girded him with a sash, clothed him with the robe, and put the ephod on him. And he girded him with intricately woven band of, of the ephod and with it tied the ephod on him. Then he put the breastplate on him and he put the urim and the thummim in the breastplate and he put the turban on his head, also on the turban on, the, on its front, he put the golden plate, the holy crown, as the Lord had commanded Moses. Now, we talked about all the details of this, and I'm not going to reiterate that. That's uh, recorded on, online and CD and whatnot. You can go back and listen to that if you're interested, if you weren't with us. But notice, Moses gathered the priests, and he says, and the Lord said, they need to be washed, and they need to be dressed according to the call of God upon them uh they needed to be made clean for the ministry uh outwardly the ceremonial bass that they took and if you go to israel many of these have been excavated in the archaeological digs um it 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 wasn't just a spiritual reason and and there was part of a spiritual reason it was symbolic of saying i need to be washed and so forth and so it was a step of faith but practically as well uh, these guys would walk through the streets and it was unsanitary they didn't have, you know what, sewage lines and so forth. Oftentimes the streets were filthy. Uh, they, they, they didn't, you know what, have the, the, the types of even uh, access to, to daily bathing and so forth like uh, we would have in the West today. So practically, they would need to be washed so that they, when they go into the temple, it wasn't defiled. We've talked a lot about microbiology. Also, again, they needed to be washed because it was a step of faith that showed they understood I got inward filth that need to be washed, so it's kind of like a baptism. Remember, it's an outward declaration of what? An inward change, right? So they were called to that, and then they also then had to be dressed according to, to the call of God upon them. Uh, and in doing this, it showed their submission to the Lord. I mean, I got to imagine that all these guys weren't comfortable with putting a turban and a sash on and whatnot, you know? And so they said, but I'm going to do it under the Lord. And some of these guys were probably like beaver cleaver. They didn't really want to wash behind their ears, but they said, I'm going to do it under the Lord. And I'm going to tell you something huge in this. As it showed their submission to the Lord and they submitted to the Lord, then they could go out in the authority of the Lord. And if you're going to go out and minister and you're going to go out and do, you want to do it in the authority of the Lord. And that only comes when you're submitted to the Lord. When you say, God, I'm going to do it your way i think of acts 19 there were some men they were jews they weren't believers and it says in acts 19 13 uh, it says these jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the lord jesus over those who had been healed or who had evil spirits saying we exercise you by jesus whom paul preaches and so they were going out in the name of the lord but they weren't going on the authority of the lord because notice it says here in verse fourteen, and there were seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish priest, chief priest, who did so. And the evil spirit answered and said, "Jesus, I know, and Paul, I know, but who are you?" Then the man whom the evil spirit was uh, was leaped on them, overpowered them, and prevailed against them. So they fled out of the house, naked and wounded. And these are seven guys going out, and they're saying, "We're gonna, we're gonna cast out." demons in the name of Jesus who Paul preaches and so they went out in the name of the Lord but they didn't go out in the authority of the Lord because they weren't submitted to the Lord these guys had never called upon Jesus they needed to start with step one saying we're sinners we need you to be our Lord and Savior then it would have been a different thing and in that calling out to go out and do you want to go do that in the authority and the power of the Holy Spirit then get submitted to him in the first place lay things down before him get washed listen get washed Starting, number one, by the blood of the Lamb, by getting born again. And then get washed by the Word of God, get washed by the Holy Spirit. Get your feet washed. Remember, Jesus told Peter, he who has bathed only needs to wash his feet. In other words, positionally, by grace through faith, we're right with God. Practically, at those times, we, these feet get muddy. Lord, wash this. I want to have rich communion with you. I want to be walking in your will that I know I can go out and walk in the authority of the Lord. With that as well, putting on Christ. Romans thirteen eleven it says do this knowing the time that now it's high time to wake out of sleep for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed the night is far spent the day is at hand notice here therefore let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light let us walk properly as in the day not in revelry and drunkenness and lewdness and lust not in strife and envy but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust and that's what these guys were doing. Again, they were saying, I want to be washed and I want to put on Christ so that I can go minister in the authority of the Lord. And it was of utmost importance because if these priests begin to minister, we'll get into this in a second, and their heart wasn't right, they were making atonement for sin. And so they need to deal with, dealt with their own sin in the, in, the, in the first place. One other note we we'll are here real quick. Uh, he talks here about the Urim and the Thummim. And we talked a little bit about this before. Uh, these were like gems or stones. They were carried by the high priest. And they were used to determine God's will in certain matters. Now, we don't know exactly how these things worked. There's some people that think that they, they were cast, kind of like diced our thrown. Uh, Josephus, who was a, a, a first century historian, uh, believed that they, would be, they, they were used and they would flash they would flash symbols or letters upon the wall of the tabernacle and it would spell out God's will. Now, we don't know how they operated and praise God that we don't. Otherwise, you know what, the, the, the Urim and the Thummim ministry would probably try to get revived today. Um, someone asked me a good question a few weeks ago. So We were talking about divination. They said that almost seems like divination. And, and it, we got to remember the enemy always is... is the counterfeiter remember he's always trying to take what's good and counterfeit it and so this wasn't divination but what it was was a picture of grace and it was a shadow of of the completion of canon and the work of the holy spirit because listen if you want to get god's word flat or god's will flashed on your your wall tonight just open up the word of god and put it on an overhead projector And cry out to the Lord and, and, and be in a manner where you're sensitive to, to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Now notice verse 10. Also Moses took the anointing oil and anointed the tabernacle and all that was in it, and consecrated them. He sprinkled some of it on the altar seven times, anointed the altar and all its utensils and the lavar and its base to consecrate them. And he poured some of the anointing oil on Aaron's head and anointed him to consecrate him. Now this anointing oil, it was symbolic. Of, of the priest as well as the the tabernacle the altar the utensils and so forth it was symbolic of saying this is set apart for god this has the calling of god upon it and again it was a a, a calling and asking for the empowerment of the holy spirit upon these things uh, the new testament speaks of anointing It talks about if someone's sick to to come to the elders have them anointing with oil first john Two twenty six. he says these things I have written to you concerning those who try to deceive you but the anointing which you have received from him abides in you and you do not need anyone to teach you but the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and it is true it is not a lie just as it has taught you you will abide in him and there's a key here we have access to to the anointing of God but listen it comes when we're abiding in him we need to be abiding in the Lord to walk in that anointing, to walk in the power of the Spirit of God. And, and I try to explain this to certain people. Notice, again, they're, they're anointing the tabernacle, they're anointing these, these instruments, and, and sometimes people say, hey, will you come anoint my home and pray for it? And I have no problem doing that, but I always tell them, listen, we can come pray for your house and anoint it, but if you plan on desecrating this home with sinful living, this oil ain't going to do you any good at all. It's going to last you about 30 seconds. If you're saying, I want, the I want my home anointed with oil so it's dedicated, we want to drive all this out of here, then with that there also needs to be a yielded heart to the Lord. I've had people come to me and they say, I want to dedicate my baby. And I say, are you dedicated to the Lord? Because if you are going to bring you up here and dedicate your baby, you're making a public profession that you're saying, I'm going to raise this child in the way of the Lord. This ain't no magic act up here we'll pray for your child, we'll lift them up, but if you're coming up here, then you're making a public profession saying, I'm going to raise this child in the way of the Lord. I have people say, well, I, I think we're going to wait on that. I had an individual recently dedicate my kid, and I go, you haven't been dedicated to the Lord in two years. know this guy pretty good. Doing some, some and I'm not judging his heart, I just know the fruit of his life. Doing some Horrific things. I go. You need to repent. Then we'll dedicate your child. And I was called the bad guy. So whatever. I. But he needed to hear the truth. And so this isn't some magic thing. It's saying I want to abide in Him. And then then whether the oil's there or not. Listen, the oil's just symbolic, and a point of faith. I'd rather have the real thing, wouldn't you? So, no, I have the anointing of the Lord, the Spirit of God, because I, Lord, here I am. I just need you, God. I, I might not, I'm not a perfect father, but God, I want your help, and I want to try to raise these kids, and the Lord, help me. And the Lord says, Okay, I'm going to come help you. I'm going to bring that anointing. Verse 13 Then Moses brought Aaron's son and put tunics on them, girded them with sashes, and put hats on them, as the Lord commanded Moses, so they geared up. Verse 14. And he brought the bull of the sin offering. Then Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the bull for the sin offering. And Moses killed it. And he took the blood and put some of it on the horns of the altar all around with his finger and purified the altar and poured out the blood at the base of the altar and consecrated it to make atonement for it. Then he took all the fat that was on the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver, and the two kidneys with their fat. And Moses burned them on the altar. But the bull, its hide, its flesh... And it's all, he burned with fire outside the camp as the Lord commanded Moses. Now again, we looked at the details of all these things. I just want to point out again, the priest, first of all, needed their sins atoned for. So they laid their hands on the bull, and it was slayed for their sins. And again, if we want to go minister to others, we got to first deal with our own house. Jesus said, get the plank out of your own eye before you go looking for the speck in your brother's. Now praise God, our priest has dealt with our sins again once for all. They poured out the blood here at the base of the altar. Praise God, Jesus Christ poured out his blood for us. And then they took the bull and so forth and they burned him outside the camp. And again, we know Jesus was crucified outside the camp. He was crucified again where the sinners were, where the unclean things were because he died for us sinners and us in our uncleanliness outside the camp. Verse 18, then he brought the ram as the burnt offering and Aaron and all his son- and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram, and Moses killed it. Then he sprinkled the blood all around the altar, and he cut the ram into pieces. And Moses burned the head, the pieces, and the fat. Then he washed the entrails and the legs in water. Moses burned the whole ram on the altar. It was a burnt sacrifice for a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire, as the Lord had commanded Moses. So again, a sin offering was brought. Then a burn offering was brought. And it was a call to these priests to say, first of all, you need know, he sends atonement, atoned for. And then if you're going to, again, be ministers of the Lord, you've got to lay it all down. Lay it all down. Be set apart for the Lord. We know that call, again, is on our life to present our bodies a living sacrifice. And so many times we withhold things, but I don't want to lose out. The Lord said, if you lay down your life for my sake, you're going to gain it. 22, let's read down through 29. And he brought the second ram, the ram of consecration. And Aaron and his sons laid their hands on the head of the ram, and Moses killed it. Man, every time, again, every time we read that, we read it three times here, it's powerful. Again, this was death right in front of them. Hands, and I, you know what, I, don't, I, I mean, I guess you can get hardened enough to, to, to be numb to this. But again, they had, they had a type of relationship with these beasts and so forth. Their hands would be upon, and then that, that, that animal would be cut and bleed out right in front of them. And it just showed them the gravity of sin. And the fact they needed a, an intercessor. They, were, they had spot and blemish, and they needed a, a beast without that. And again, all pointed to Christ without spot or blemish. Verse 23 again, and he killed it. And he took some of the blood and put it on the tip of Aaron's right ear, on the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. Then he brought Aaron's sons, and Moses put some of the blood on the tips of their right ears, on the thumb of the right hands, and on the big toes of the right feet. And Moses sprinkled the blood all around the altar. Then he took the fat and the fat tail, and the fat that was in the entrails, the fatty lobe attached to the liver, the two kidneys and their fat, and the right thigh. And from the basket of unleavened bread that was before the Lord, he took one of the unleavened cakes, a cake of bread anointed with oil and one wafer, and put them on the fat And on the right thigh, and he put all these in Aaron's hands and in his sons' hands, and waved them as a wave offering before the Lord. Then Moses took from them their hands and uh, took from their hands and burned them on the altar on the burnt offering, and they were (coughs) they were consecration offerings for a sweet aroma, and that was an offering made by fire to the Lord. And Moses took the breast and waved as a wave offering before the Lord. It was Moses part of the ram of consecration as the Lord had commanded Moses. Again, we've looked at a lot of these details, but we see something new here. They were to take the blood, and again, he would put it upon the right ear, upon the thumb of his right hand, and on the big toe of his right foot. And I think there was a few things going on here. Number one, it was asking of the Lord, Lord, cover Cover my head, cover these hands, and cover my feet with the blood of Jesus Christ. boy, we need that today. Cover all of me. And I think it was also a declaration of saying, I want to take whatever I put in my head, whatever I touch with my hands, and the places where I walk to be according to your will. things that go into, into my ears, in, into my eyes, the things I get my hands involved, the, the, where I walk. Again, th- this had to do with a burnt offering, which was saying, Lord, take, take it all. I, I want to be mindful of what's coming into my head, where my hands are, and, and, and where, my, where my feet are walking. And, and Lord, grant us the grace to, to absolutely uh, be covered and do the same. Verse 30, that Moses took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood which was on the altar and sprinkled it on Aaron and his garments, on his sons, and on the garments of his sons with him. And he consecrated Aaron, his garments, his sons, and the garments of his sons with them. So again, they would be sprinkled with, with this blood. They get washed in the water. They get sprinkled with the blood. Uh, and again, when we come to Christ, we're sprinkled by his blood. And, and praise God, listen, we can plead the blood. You ever someone say, I plead the blood of Jesus? You ever wonder, like, What's, what are you talking about there? Some of you might even say, I plead the blood of Jesus. Do you know what you're talking about when you say that? I think some people in some church settings, are, or they think, I plead the blood of Jesus. And again, it's some magical thing. Listen, when you plead the blood of Jesus, you're making a declaration, you know what, that, that I'm under the blood of Christ. I'm under the blood of the Lamb. And there's times we need to make that declaration. Sometimes we need to make that declaration to ourselves. Sometimes we need to make that declaration in the midst of, of, a, of, of spiritual warfare and so forth. I, I'm under the blood of Christ. I've been sprinkled. I've been washed. I'm a new creation. All things have passed away. Then 31 through 36, And Moses said to Aaron and his sons, Boil the flesh at the door of the tabernacle of meeting and eat it there with the bread that is in the basket of consecration offerings, as I commanded, saying, Aaron and his sons shall eat it. And what remains of the flesh and the bread you shall burn with fire, and you shall not go outside the door of the tabernacle of meeting for seven days until the days of your consecration are ended. For seven days he shall be consecrated. Uh, For seven days he shall consecrate you. And then consecration was a picture of dedication. It, It was kind of the picture of laying hands on, Uh, ordaining them for the ministry again this wasn't a small matter like well I don't got seven days well listen this was more important than whatever they were doing this was of utmost importance and he, he and he has done this day so the Lord has commanded to do to make atonement for you therefore you should stay at the door of the tabernacle of meeting day and night for seven days and keep the charge of the Lord so that you may not die that's a that's a good incentive right so that you don't die it wasn't like they were waiting in line at Best Buy for three days to get a big screen tv on, day, on sale they were like this has to do with our eternity and and exercising our faith we're gonna honor the Lord here he says for for uh, so I have been commanded and Moses is saying listen if you don't like it I've been commanded it because they're like seven days no doubt I've been commanded this so this is what you need to do according to the word of the Lord and most probably thought, if you don't like it your beef's not with me take it up with God so Aaron and his sons did all the things that the Lord had commanded them by the hand of Moses. But just, just the last thought here again. They, they went to the door of the tabernacle of meeting to be consecrated. And, and there's, there's a few times in the scripture where he talks about how he's the door. And, and he's the door in that, listen, we got go to go to, to Christ, to the heavenly tabernacle, so to speak. We enter the holy of holies through the veil that's his flesh. And that's the only way we're not going to die. That's the only way we're going to be washed. We come to the door, we put faith in him, and then we enter in. And then think about later on, he tells the church of Laodicea, I stand at the door and knock. So we enter in through him into salvation, and then in turn, because he's our Lord, he can come and knock on our heart and say, open, open the door to me that we can have fellowship together. And I think that's, again, where you get that positional and that practical. Tonight... Have you opened your door to Christ? Is He your Lord and Savior? So positionally, we're right before Him practically, let's open that door to Him daily that we would walk in Him, that we would abound in Him, that we will be hearers of the Word and doers of the Word and a people, <clears throat> again, doing in the anointing of the Lord in His authority with a heart of humility, with a heart of honesty, with a heart, again, crying out to Him. He knows we're but dust and He wants to meet us where we're at. So, Lord, we praise you tonight. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for our time of worship. Lord, our time of communion. Again, Lord, we want to be people who, who don't just hear, but, Lord, a people that do. So help us in it, God. We need great, great, great grace and mercy, Lord, your anointing and your hand on us. We ask for that tonight. And tonight, if you don't know the Lord, we've, we've seen the gospel in this. The good news that Jesus Christ died for our sins. So that we can have right standing with the Father by His grace through faith in Him. If you put your faith in Jesus, is He your Lord and Savior? If not, listen, Today's a the day of salvation. It is time to repent. It is time to turn from whatever your Lord is. Doing what's right in your own eyes and claiming that to be your way of life. And saying, Jesus, I want to put my trust in You. I want You to be my Lord. I want You to be my Savior. I want You to govern my life. Be my God. I believe You died and rose again. Meet me where I am and wash me in my sin. You cry out to him in that manner, and he will meet you where you are, and you can know that he will come and abide in you. He will send the Spirit of God. He'll begin a good work, and he'll be faithful to complete it. So call on his name. Lord, bless the rest of our time tonight. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.